Beyond Synth, Season 7, Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Well, hello there. Welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode number 199. That is correct. We're almost there, although there's going to be a few weeks in between now and episode 200, because as you know, if you've been listening to the show, there is a lot of synthwave events going on in the next few weeks, which we have to talk about. And before we even get going here... Because I'm posting this episode on Tuesday. Tomorrow, FM84 is playing in Toronto. They added Jesse Fry to the bill, which means it's Jesse Fry, Michael Oakley, and FM84 at the Mod Club in Toronto. So if you don't have tickets, you should definitely go. That's going to be a really awesome show. So go do that immediately. And of course, next week is Outland, so it's very busy. So the schedule for Beyond Synth, I know I've been saying this over and over again for the past few weeks, but these next two weeks are really going to be a lot of work behind the scenes uh, for me, so there might be a little less Beyond Synth. But the whole point is I'm going to be recording all sorts of content that is going to supply the Beyond Synth podcast and the YouTube page with uh, a lot of stuff for you guys to listen to and to watch. And that is the bottom line. So look, let's get the show started. We're going to listen to some music. Uh, Later in the show, I'm going to be chatting with Zarina and having a catch-up with Time Cop 1983, who is one of the acts at Outland. And I wanted to make sure I got that conversation out before Outland, because that was the plan. And then I got uh, super busy. So anyways, look, let's listen to some music here is a track from crystal bats and this is a cool one this is anyone
And that was Anyone by Crystal Bats. And that's a cool track. I don't really know too much about these dudes. Although the uh, <laughs> the lead singer guy is very pretty. And uh, you can go uh, check them out. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. So we have a new one this week. Jean-Christophe Leconte. So merci Jean-Christophe uh, pour l'argent. And uh, for supporting Beyond Synth. And I'd like to let everybody know that Jimpy has upgraded his support. Thanks, Jimpy. You know what? <laughs> you're, you're a cool guy. <laughs> I got to get a new one. Maybe after episode 200, I'll come up with a new thing to say to people besides they're cool guys. What about, um, you're a neat dude. No? <laughs> I don't think neat dude is going to catch on. I also have a message here because Beyond Synth listener Jack Lovell, uh, I hope that's how you pronounce your last name. It could be Lovell, to be honest with you. I think it's Lovell. L-O-V-E-L-L. Anyways, he sent a lovely donation to Beyond Synth via the uh, the PayPal, which you guys can do at BeyondSynth.com if you want to support the show. He says, Hey, Andy, it's Jack here, all the way from Canberra, Australia. Congratulations in advance for releasing 200 episodes. You're an incredibly important person in the Synthwave scene, and I just wanted to thank you for everything you do. You truly are the coolest of cool guys. All the best, mate, and here's to 200 more. Well, thank you very much, uh, Jack from Canberra, Australia. And I apologize that I did not read that message in an Australian accent, and I'm not even going to try. I think <laughs> I was just thinking in my head, should I do it? No, I shouldn't. So how about we listen to another track, man, because that's a cool thing to do. Here's one from Minui Machine from the album Infrarouge. And this is a, a Paris duo of ladies, and they make uh, cool music. This one's called Drugs. Well, it's called D-R-G-S, but they're talking about drugs. Anyway, this... <laughs> There's an intro. Uh, here is Minui Machine with Drugs.
And that was Drugs by Minui Machine. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Chris Dance, the king of the Pattersons. And Mike Shima. What should I call Mike Shima? Hey, Mike, message me. Tell me know what you want to be called. If, uh... If Chris Dance is the king of the Pattersons, I believe Mike Shima also deserves a name because these two uh, donate uh, quite a lot of money to the show, and they deserve special names. So that's uh, something to think about. That's something you should think about, because <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I'm lazy. Well, I'm not lazy. Actually, I have so much to do that my brain is frazzled. Uh, and of course, uh, William Stewart with the 6969 and Jose Arbello with the 6659. You guys are also very... Very, very generous and awesome people. If you want to support the show like those people do, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. And don't forget that Outland is next week. If you have not got tickets to Outland, go fucking do it. All right? It's in Toronto. It's at the Mod Club. It's the same place that FM84 is playing tomorrow. We got... Time Cop, uh, which we're going to hear from later on in the show. We got Calyx, we got FM Attack, Mecha Mako, Dana Jean Phoenix, Michael Oakley, Parallels. Am I missing something? Anyway, that's a lot of acts that day, so that's going to be a cool day. Uh, I'm going to be there all day uh, doing interviews with people, and I guess I'll just be running around the floor to chatting with everybody, and that should be a lot of fun. So that is Outland. You can go check out Outland Toronto on Facebook if you haven't already gotten tickets or you've been on the fence about it if you're near the toronto area at all i suggest you come in because there's also going to be a lot of other people there it's pretty much going to be like there's going to be a lot of people from the synth scene there so it will be a fun opportunity for you to meet them marco's going to be there i think even florence is coming up uh glitbiter well you know her from the family shows here and and also she is a talented lady and i think who else is coming up there's a bunch of people Bunny X. Anyway, there's a lot more. Pretty much like probably everybody there, like in the audience, is probably also going to be <laughs> a synthwave producer. So uh, it should be a really fun time, and I look forward to it. So how about this? Let's listen to one more track, and then we will go chat with Zarina. Here's one from Zone Tripper, and uh, this is from the album The Forsaken Land. This is Absolution.
And that was Absolution by Zone Tripper from the album The Forsaken Land. And that was brought to you by my amazing Patreon supporters. There's Mr. Jacob Wick and City Hunter, Lucas Ceballos, and Hugh Hefna, you people are all awesome. I could not do the show without uh, your support. So don't you forget it. And now let's go chat with Zarina. That was an odd inflection. Sorry. (laughs) Let's go chat now with Zarina. All right. So, first off, before we even get started, how do you say it? Zarina. Zarina, like that? Yeah, just like that. Zarina. So, it's almost like that C isn't there. Yeah, almost like the C isn't there. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. Well, I am here with Zarina. How's it going? It's going. It's going. It's great. I just celebrated my first year as Zarina. (laughs) Ooh, that's exciting. So, what's your... um? Is your Facebook name an alias, or is that your actual name? Uh, that's my actual name. My full name is Veronica Faye Kitsune. Vero for short. I prefer to be called that. But I also have another pseudonym. Basically, I had a fashion line before, and I went by Ivy Kirshner, which is like another nickname. How do you how do you keep track of all this? I, I don't know. I just, you know, it's just one of those complicated like name things that I got myself into. But a lot of people actually know me as Ivy Kirshner. Ooh. Yeah, because of the fashion line. Obviously, like, we're going to be talking about uh, music stuff is the thing that you sort of got into more recently but when i was uh flipping through your instagram i'm like okay i'm I'm looking at the things that you've defined yourself as right so there's like retro futurist synth electro rock and cyberpunk and all of these things and i didn't see model anywhere (laughs) i I saw i saw fashion designer then i saw lots of photos where i was like all right she's is she modeling? She doesn't say she's a model. So is that was, was that you wearing stuff that you had designed? Or do you also model and don't like to say that? I wouldn't really consider myself, you know, a true model because I'm not really that tall. Is, it, is, it, is that the criteria? Is that the height thing? Yeah, the height thing. Um, I, I have modeled in the past and I sometimes model for other people. But um, yeah, I don't really like listing that because... Truly, I am a designer. I do elude myself more in the creative aspect of like the whole fashion world. Well, it's just because I mean, like, there's quite like a, a vibrant sort of aesthetic going on, like with the Instagram stuff, and especially with like the Zarina stuff now. I mean, it looks like you're having fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun. with those like photo shoots and the costumes and things. For sure, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Especially right now, the world has gotten so much more visually driven. You know, I'm still trying to explore and trying to experiment like how to put myself out there more mm. visually I also have to work out and maintain <laughs> 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 which is the hard part you know that's like that is the like, you know the really shitty part it's like oh man like you know I'm so visible now in the world like I have to make sure that I look good yeah. <laughs> and then, but it's a part of a larger picture you know where you know it's not enough just to do music these days like you kind of have to be a full 360 experience yeah, I'm see I'm I'm lucky because like for me like I'll wear suits and stuff and I've got this belly but like you don't see it cuz I can hide it in a suit. <laughs> or I can Stop. 
I can wear a little like man girdle thing, and then no one has to know. <laughs> well, we we have spanks, and you know, yeah. <laughs> is there like is there like a man spanks? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> There's so many jokes I can make right now. Okay. Well, the, yeah, those they exist. I see the, Instagram keeps advertising them to me. I think somehow they know. <laughs> like Instagram, whenever I see my Instagram ads, they're always like, "Hey, here's a harness to correct your posture." Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You keep advertising that to me. It's so freaky. Yeah, it is freaky. They just advertised to me a fucking shirt, uh, and the ad made me laugh so hard. I'm like, I showed it to my wife, and I was like, laughing my head off because like it shows a full on fat guy, and he puts on a shirt, and then the CGI animation shows him literally like losing weight because of the shirt, <laughs> and all all it is is just a compression shirt. Like that's all it is. But like the animation makes it look like it literally like sucks your fat away, and it was so fucking funny. Nice. <laughs> I also got this weird ad for you know what when ladies have like the um like the stockings and then there's like the kind of little belty things that connect the stocking to the waist or something there's like a little oh, like, like a har- like a little harness like a garter yeah gar- garters, that, yes, I, I guess <laughs> I, I i so i got a thing advertised to me one day where it was like as a man i would wear an elastic strap around like my upper thigh <laughs> with these little straps with hooks that would connect to the bottom of my shirt to make sure it always stays tucked in oh wow <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm looking at this product like, who the hell is this for? Right. Like, I don't know, like it's amazing. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. That's the, that's the extent of my fashion talk. Oh, wow. That's all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> so what... <laughs> So, uh, in terms of, like, the visual aesthetic then, like, is that you designing all that for you? Like, for the, the, the Zarina look? The Zarina look? Well, no, I, you know, I, I mean, I style myself, yes. I, I take existing products out there and try to put together in a way that's me. But a lot of the stuff that you see, actually, um, a lot of them are actually 3D and computer generated. And it's actually done right. by my husband, Deadly Kawaii. That's his uh, nickname. We basically design all that together and uh trying to experiment you know because it's just so expensive to go shopping all the time just for photo shoots and i feel bad returning (laughs) products like you know most stylists they buy and return and then you get to a point you get blacklisted right yeah (laughs) because they're like hey you spent like several grand and you turned several grand already like you know enough is enough i never realized before that that was such a racket because i had a friend who used to work at a suit store and like movie companies would like get a suit and then return it. Yeah. And I never knew that was like a whole thing that they would do. Like they're getting suits for all the dudes and then fucking bringing them back like a they're few days later. Them back, yeah, with the tags and everything. Yeah. You know, um, the retail world definitely has gotten better with like, you know, keeping all that in check. But, you know, also at the same time, um, we wanted to do something different. So yeah, we started doing some 3D work. You know, I can't spend $30,000 in an Iris Van Herpen dress. <laughs> just for a photo shoot, you know, and sometimes, you know, they're not happy to lend it out, you know, uh, so. Oh, hold on. I'm going to go to your Instagram for a second. What's, <laughs> what, what stuff is 3D? The main one right now, my main uh, profile photograph oh well that one's obviously 3d like that's the one with like the actual like the the spacesuit okay well i thought there was like something that i didn't realize that was like we have a lot more coming up so um a lot of this has been you know new recent developments and we haven't released them yet so yeah we're gonna start revealing more (laughs) but in also in terms of just like backdrops like you know we're like okay let's just green screen it and just start throwing some stuff in the backdrop because putting together a production set alone is so expensive 
expensive. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> we're just like, we can't, okay, this is not sustainable. And for the rapid rate that we have to produce, you know, and we have to create, yeah, we just have to find clever ways to kind of just get around that and still get the, the impact or achieve the impact that we're trying to get to in the book. Um, but it's been really fun. It's great that, you know, there's this whole new world that you can really develop. And it's just like another dimension. And mm-hmm. I feel like with the whole like internet thing, social media thing, I feel like there is another dimension that you're kind of developing. And that's like your, that's your world, that's your territory. And there's so many things that go into it. And I think a lot of the stuff that we're planning on doing is that I feel like Zarina is just the beginning. Like whatever I'm doing with music is really just the beginning. And I think... You mean you got another alias in the works? <laughs> not so much an alias but i feel like there are going to be a lot more projects that will come down the pike um because of it now that we're seeing what else we can do in the creative world so there's music there's video there's all kinds of like 3d production work and you know all sorts of like visual aesthetic and paraphernalia it's getting so interesting you sound like an entrepreneur <laughs> I I really hate that word. Can I say how much I hate that word? Listen. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this uh, in a second here, but we should listen to a track. Okay. I'd like to listen here to Silence and Surrender, and then we're going to play the, in brackets, neon one, because it's a slight rework of, of another mm-hmm. track he did, and, yeah. and it's good stuff. So let's check it out. Into the thorns 
And that was Silence and Surrender Neon by Zarina. And I'm here with Zarina right now. We're talking about entrepreneurship. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) And you just told me you don't like that word at all. No, the way way that you speak about it, it's like you have um, that bird's eye view perspective where you see all the different avenues and ways you can fucking take things and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I was I was in business for so long. <laughs> um, I did spend almost two decades. I know I look very young. Well, I did start young too in the shoe world and fashion world. The shoe world. Yeah, I'm I'm a shoe designer. That is my forte, and that's always been my cornerstone. When I turned thirty, I started my shoe company. Talk to me about shoe design. I don't think I've talked to a shoe designer. You know, my last name is technically shoe related. Oh, really? What? My last name is Last. (laughs) Oh, yes. So, yeah, you're basically a shoe dress form. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the thing. That's what it actually comes from. And I remember, like, my dad explaining that to me, like, oh, it's like this wooden shoe thing and then they build the shoe yeah. on top of it or something so right, that's, yeah i guess uh, my ancestors were shoemakers that's cool i guess well you, you tell me man you're now you now you can tell me if it's cool or not <laughs> yeah i guess it's cool i mean i've been in it for so long um so basically if i'm gonna start from the very beginning like you know when i was a kid i've always had this whole music and art background and upbringing always loved music i always thought i was going to be a musician like you know professionally and at least i've been wanting to but then there's also that you know artistic side that seemed a little bit more um i don't want to say stable but like you know seem more uh closer to the ground like you know so to speak like you know i feel like i could be a little bit more sure-footed with that one Mm. pun intended (laughs) yeah so i went to also um, went to fame school. I don't know if you remember the movie Fame. Of course you do. It's my favorite film. So- <laughs> <laughs> that and Scarface. I don't know why. Too- <laughs> no way. Uh, yes, they're so similar. Mm. <laughs> um, so uh, went to uh, yeah Fame school for art, and that led to um, design school. I went to FIT for footwear, specifically for footwear, which was actually like you know really, really, really cool uh, major. Met a lot of cool people. I had cool teachers. I don't know anything about footwear design school. Like, is there like a cliched kind of person that goes into that? For the most part, yes. Fashion schools do have a certain cliche. They all have a certain look or at least had a certain look. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time that I went, I went early, I went early 2000s. For the most part, with shoe people, for some reason, we're a little bit different from the rest of the fashion world. I want to say we're a little bit more chill. Sure. I mean, I'm, making a blanket statement here but yeah we're a lot more chill and we're a little bit more cerebral too and i think it's because building shoes is a lot more closely connected to architecture where it's a little bit more mathematical and more attuned to ergonomics you know and i think i think that's what really drawn me to shoes is that you know what you know you you can make a dress and do all sorts of ways to make it fit, you know, and it'll still be fine on the body. But, you know, when you make a mistake with shoes, it gets really fucked up. It's like, you know, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. And that's it, you know, or it's going to hurt. Or it's going to be, you know, because you walk. <laughs> we didn't really have like a certain cliche. We were quite a mixed bag. <laughs> what about uh, the ratio of like male to female? When I went, mostly females. Okay. However, the shoe industry is a male dominated industry for sure. All my mentors were men. 
and, and you know, amazing geniuses in, in our field. I thought that was really, really funny, even to this day. And it's curious, actually, it makes me so curious as to how they end up in shoes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them started on the shoe floor of department stores, you know, selling. Right. And that's how they kind of worked their way up into the shoe world. <laughs> I always like getting these little windows into like universes that I never thought about. Even though it's my stupid namesake, <laughs> I don't think I've ever thought about it before, really. Like, yeah, that's got to be a whole industry and people got to be thinking there's math involved and there's... There's a lot. I mean, so I was a creative director for a couple really, really, really badass brands at the time. But when I kind of went out on my own and started my own little shoe company, it started off really well, actually. We were a three or four person outfit and we were small, very, you know, boutique in size, but we did everything. And that's where I learned a lot. So I had to wear many hats. I didn't, you know, I wasn't just the designer or creative. Like I had to understand finance properly. I had to understand like, you know, management and I I was the CEO. So I kind of had to be functioning that level. And then um, it got to the point where we had like, you know, eight or nine employees and, you know, we were slowly growing and then I became more and more responsible for other people and I got even scarier and scarier. Right. (laughs) But um, it was a good seven year run. It was amazing. But then, you know, I realized that I really want to be a musician after all that. Yeah. (laughs) That segues beautifully into listening to another song. Awesome. All right. I was trying to figure out a way I could segue when talking about shoes and I'm I'm really bad at (laughs) I'm not great at segues. But uh, let's listen to this track. This is Blaze by Zarina.
that was Zarina with the track Blaze. And I'm here with Zarina right now, talking about shoes and making shoes, which is fun. How does having a small shoe company, like, how can that be lucrative? Like, I imagine that you have to put a lot of work into a shoe. Like, how do you compete with, like, a place that can have a factory floor that... Because I imagine if you're doing it with just a small crew, you're, like, kind of building shoes by hand, right? Oh, no, no, no. We um, we had factories in Italy and in Asia and what? Brazil. Like, we were... Yeah, we work. We work with other factories. We were a client of other factories around the world. <laughs> yeah. We were just designing and basically doing all the operations, retail, wholesale, you know, on, like, e-commerce and all the marketing people. Are, like you know in New York but then Jesus. we travel to check out the factories and like how our design development and production are all coming along so is it like in the movies when like the drug dealers like go to South America to check <laughs> yes. out the coke production like in the thing and they like kind of stand over looking down at all the people and absolutely that's my only that's my only <laughs> <Exactly>. frame of <laughs> reference yes <laughs> yes ex- it's exactly like that oh so you're like a full like this is a fucking serious thing see I should be getting business advice for you that's what I should be doing yeah. <laughs> right I mean once you get into business you can actually just replace it with whatever product you want to do it's all the same <laughs> drugs shoes yeah. it doesn't matter it's all the same same shit <laughs> well no because whenever i talk to people like i i it's always surprising to me when i'm just like oh like you're a serious person like because i i'm still like i'm an adult technically i mean i'm married and have children and stuff but i never really quite feel like one and so when i talk to somebody who says i had a shoe company and we're visiting the factory floor in fucking italy or whatever you know it's just like what like that's just to me is is it's crazy like that's that to me is like oh wow like that's some fucking serious business (laughs) i mean yeah i guess it could be perceived that way (laughs) well look i'm not visiting any factory floors like i don't i barely wear pants like i'm just mostly here just like i wear like a suit top and take pictures as if i'm always like well dressed and meanwhile i'm just in pajamas i mean that's as professional as i get (laughs) oh no i we work in our pajamas like you know (laughs) (laughs) you know honestly the best work comes out when you're when you're in your pajamas and sometimes like what like 2 30 a.m yeah <laughs> that's like that is like creative prime time right there and you have to be in a happy place and pajamas and fuzzy slippers that's how it's done <laughs> when you decided like i'm gonna move away from the shoes did you like sell a company or yeah, did, or did it dissolve to, or what I, happened yeah i had to uh, it's called a wind down and i had to clean it up and then basically sell it buzzwords and, uh, I sold, yeah, I, I sold it. The group that bought it, and I'm actually consulting for them, which is great because I still get to do shoes. Right. So what does that mean when you're consulting? Like, what does that actually mean? You just walk in and be like, that's a shitty shoe you designed, idiot. And then you walk out. <laughs> well, yeah, it's sort of like that. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, now I am I am definitely involved in more of a high level overview of where creative and design's going. Um, I do a lot of intel work. I, I travel a lot. I, tra- I do research, um, not just fashion research. I, I visit m- multiple cities to see what's going on culturally too um i feel like you know music and art they along with fashion they're all kind of packed in together right and they're all related so i have to pay attention to a lot of different cultural dynamics um in different cities and kind of just find the trends and patterns and that's kind of like what i do and i'm also trying to figure out how to restructure the relaunch of 
my brand Ivy Kirshner. One thing that was really, really cool with, with the brand is that when I was running it, we had such an amazing celebrity following. To answer your question earlier, that's kind of how we thrived, is that we got really lucky that um, the designs appealed to celebrities. We had a lot of pop music artists like Rihanna and uh, Beyonce and J-Lo. Those are the type of clients that we would get. That's how we thrive, where um, we appeal to a certain audience, a certain niche market, and we basically conquered it. And it was it was very global. But at the same time, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of upkeep you know it's not like you know when you make a record you know you basically build a lot of time and focus like you know months or up to a year working on a record and then you release it and if it's great you know it, it becomes a permanent fixture in in history right design is a little tougher in that regard where every couple of months you just you just have to have a new product and you know and everyone's already forgotten about you know what you did uh, a couple months ago yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know and i'm just like come on like you know that's still a good shoe you know and <laughs> but you know everyone's just like but every you know that but that's how the world moves these days especially it's gotten even faster you know and that's part of the reason why i had to hit pause it's just like you know this is a lot of work it's you know and i don't necessarily want to grow and get more people just you know just to get help you know i want to figure out a smarter way to do this and at the same time kind of just put more focus back into myself that's how i moved over to music well that's cool that's a very interesting trajectory Right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's me putting on my serious interview hat now. Very, this is a very interesting story. I just want everyone to know that, that I'm listening intently. Well, yeah, it's crazy because I, I think it's just, it's, it's you know, running all this business, it just seems so adult. I feel like I would be sort of intimidated to be around you if I was, if this was like oh, a, no, in the same room that. because no. you'd be like, oh, no, no, she's a serious business lady. You know what I mean? Like drinking cocktails. Oh, I'm actually not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm so amateurish compared to like a lot of people that I know who are really serious business people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like I'm like the young kid, you know. So <laughs> Well, we'll we'll transition here now. So we we've, okay. we've learned a lot about shoes. It's been very interesting. And now we're going to focus here on the music. So we're going to listen to uh, another track here. This was one you did with uh, Chris Kia. Oh yeah. This one's called In the Line of Fire. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that was In the Line of Fire by Chris Kia and Zarina. And I'm here with Zarina right now. So when you decide that you want to sort of start making uh, music and stuff, like why was this the sound that you were leaning towards? Um, the whole like synth, yeah. synth wave, electrosynth or whatever you call it. I don't even know. It has so many genres and subgenres. <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's a complicated thing. It. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it is a complicated thing, I think. Uh, so I was in a when I when I was younger I was in metal band a proggy metal or alternative metal almost like a female fronted tool type of thing sure and you know I mean it was early two thousand right so I played guitar in that band and I think part of the reason why I initially hit pause on music at that time was because I I felt like I kind of got bored. I kind of got bored with the sound. Like I was just like, okay, like you know, there's only so many pedals that we can mix together <laughs> to create something new and unique. But still, like you know, I had that drive. Like I wanted to create something, and and I think that's also like the fashion influence in me. Like like you know, we're always looking for something new, and we're always kind of looking ahead. Several years ago, one of my really, really good friends, um, Joe Peritori, who actually led the production for Silence and Surrender Neon and and the original Silence Surrender, introduced me to Synthwave. The first band was, I think, Gunship. Oh yeah, and then、um, I started watching. I kind of revisited like a lot of the Technor movies, so I started watching the old Blade, Blade Runner film and and then the new one, and I was just like, Vangelis like did something. With the sound that I thought that was really interesting, and like you know, I mean, we've seen Blade Runner before, you know, it's nothing new. But then at that moment, I was like, wow, like you know, there's this sound that I think could be really, really cool. And so I started listening to Evangelis as well. And then I was like, okay, there's something here that I can probably sink my teeth into. Being a metal girl, I was always challenging myself to write something a little bit more pop, you know, a little easier, not as angry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, as, not as demonic. <laughs>、um, I still love those things, by the way. But I have to grow. I have to show some growth. And I was like, but I'm, you know, I'm not gonna write your typical quote unquote pop music, commercial pop music. It, it still needs to be cool, and it still needs to have so,、uh, like a twist to it or the sound to it. So I started writing. I just started writing, and I started dabbling with some synths. I installed Logic Pro and started buying all these plugins, and I was like, "Oh wow! Like this is really cool!" Like you know, it's been almost ten years since I last dabbled with music, and then there's this whole new world now. That's really interesting. I thought I was like, "Okay, this is really cool." And being a seasoned musician, okay, what can I take from my past and then basically apply it to what's going on now? Yeah, that's how it all began, and.、Um, And I started writing my first songs and my first record. You did a cover of、uh, "Burn," didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that song. I love that song too. And I had this perpetual crush on Brandon Lee. I mean, who does not? <laughs> like, you know, both men and women alike. I think <laughs> the Crow is awesome. The Crow is like one of my favorite films. I love the Crow. It is, but that's always been my favorite song since I was like. Like fourteen or something or thirteen,、mm. yeah. <laughs> It's crazy when I think back because, like, I like I love that movie. I know, like, you know, that they had to finish the film without him, and so there's like lots of places where there's like stunt doubles and things.、Mm-hmm. But there's so many scenes that I, I didn't realize until I watched it on Blu-ray where he's not in the scene, and I never even thought about it when I was a kid. Like, I just watched it, and I always just assumed, oh, it's those scenes where he's running and you don't see his face and stuff. But that whole scene where they're playing Burn, which is like the like one of the cool Scenes in the movie because that song is great. Yeah, he's not in any of that because 
there's only one quick shot where you see him in the mirror and it's sort of taken from a different shot. But how about that that shot where he like uh, like you know he basically grabbed onto the circular window thing. Yeah, and he does like the little flip. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's not him. him. Nope, it's not. And then oh, and then when the camera really? pans but you really notice it on Blu-ray because of the HD. So the reason it's dark and then lightning strikes and you see his face. Uh-huh. But what it is, is they just took a still of his face that you just see flash on the screen for the lightning flash. Oh, wow. So it's like just one frame. And on Blu-ray, you can kind of see how it's not quite right. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have to rewatch this again. Oh, my God. When they used to talk about that movie, they used to say like, oh, we filmed most of it. You know, there was like maybe like 25% we had to put you know, use a stunt double or whatever. Right. But when right. I watch it now, I see so many scenes that he's not in where I'm like, oh, oh that's wow. that's why he's not talking. Like the whole time when he sends like fucking T-Bird when T-Bird's like, uh, there ain't no coming back. There ain't no coming back. And then whatever, like Brandon Lee never actually talks to him in that scene. Oh, wow. Because Brandon Lee's not in that scene. Right, of course. <laughs> he wasn't. And there's a whole bunch of other things where it's like, yeah, there's like, they, they show one quick shot of Brandon Lee, sort of like a close up where he's kind of in the background. But then when you start, so that's why there's so many scenes where like the crow doesn't really talk to people. Like he just sort of sits there and they, they give big speeches to him. But he doesn't really right. react until he just sort of kills them or whatever. Oh, I thought he was just being mysterious, like Batman. Yeah, see, that's what <laughs> like, I thought. Like when I when I watch, I'm like, that's so cool. Like the whole time, T Bird's going on this rant, and the crow never says anything to him. Right. But like Brandon Lee probably had dialogue in those scenes, and they just worked around it. And so all these things came together when I watched it on Blu-ray, and I'm like, wow, like he's not in a lot of this movie, but right. they did a really good job in making it feel like he's in the whole he film. Was. Right, like they did a good job collaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Okay, so around that time, certain kids in school dressed up like him in your school because for sure there were a lot of kids yeah. in my school <laughs> that, that had like white face paint on. And- I lived in a small town and so there weren't really too many out and out goths because it was like it was like a really like I think maybe my high school had like 400 kids that's still pretty big <laughs> well but that's but whenever I would talk to people who like you know went to high school in the city and stuff like they'd have schools where there was like you know like a thousand yeah. students and then like down the street there was another high school you know like right. in the city now I mean where I am in like this residential zone it's like there's a high school then you go two blocks and there's another high school whereas like I lived in a small town where my high school was basically the high school for all the small towns within, you know, like 45 minutes of the town. Right. Because everything's all sort of like spread out because it was kind of like country area. And so so there weren't really any like gods. It wasn't like, a <laughs> you know, you know, when you watch movies and there's like the the fucking there's the jocks and then there's the goths and then there's the artsy right. kids. And yeah, we all had our cliques. Yeah, for sure. When you live, when you go to like a small school like that, everyone kind of has to interact with everyone. And so like there obviously were jocks in the sense that there was the people who were more sporty and there was the people who were more arty. Yeah. But it wasn't as clear cut or separated. Like we in our school, like. It was crazy. We even had like subgenres and subcultures. Yeah. <laughs> <of everything Yeah. laughs> these, these are the clown gods. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, yeah. Like, 
these are the cyberpunk goths and he, these are the uh, old school vampire goths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Transylvanians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we can't mistake any of them for each other. <laughs> yeah, because if, if we divided up our school like that, it would have to be like just one of everything. <laughs> nice. It would just be like, there is the cyberpunk guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, how about this? Let's listen to another track and then maybe we can kind of wind this down. Cool. So let's listen to this one. This is like a, a dreamy track here. This one's called Till the Last Star by Zarina.
And that was Till the Last Star by Zarina. And I'm here with Zarina right now, talking about the crow. <laughs> yeah, whenever I, I don't know, a lot of people don't really share my passion for the crow. I love the crow. Oh, man, that's a shame. That is, like, for sure the the film like that's the, the film <laughs> uh, yeah i love it it's like i mean it's cheesy like it is a cheesy movie but uh it all works for me sometimes i'm really sensitive to certain types of cheese and that movie definitely has a few sequences that are we all need some awesome gothic cheese yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like we all need that gothic cheese i never thought of it that way that involves martial arts and yeah. <laughs> i mean honestly, seriously <laughs> Nothing like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could probably sort of wind down, but like, what's coming up? I mean, like, you, you working on stuff right now or things in the pipeline? I have some music videos that I will be releasing in the next couple months. I think we're going to have three music videos that are coming out. And I started working on my next record, actually, which I think I'll be releasing sometime end of next year. It's, it's really different from painted holograms a little darker a little grittier actually i'm not gonna say anything i'm just gonna i'm just gonna release it and let everyone figure out what it is yeah. but it's <laughs> definitely yeah i'm not, not gonna say anything um but it's definitely a different side and then i'm also working on an electronic musical Ooh. called starcross it's based on a graphic novel that we're actually about to release it's actually the result of in the line of fire so we started with a song called in the line of fire and and that had like, you know, all kinds of like voiceovers and it's Mecca Robotech inspired. And we're like, you know what, this is really cool. Why don't we just take it to the next level? And so we started developing a slew of songs and tracks around the whole concept. Now I'm working backwards where I'm writing the screenplay and working on the graphic novel with Deadly Kawaii. We're trying to figure out how we're actually gonna release it and when, because our initial idea is to release it online and just make it an online experience. That is probably the largest endeavor that we're all working on together. I'm working on it with Chris Kea, Deadly Kawaii. We got three other international talents on it, you know, seeing some parts and playing certain roles. So yeah, that's that's another big one. <laughs> cool. That sounds cool. Yeah. It was uh, nice to meet you and chat with you and stuff. And yeah, Likewise. And I look forward to hearing the stuff when it comes out. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you have, a, you have a lovely day and uh, keep being cool. I don't know. I don't know how to sign things off. <laughs> <laughs> Radical dude. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my conversation with Zarina. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, there's Mr. Clint Dowling, Honeybeard, Tim Carlton, Johnny Five, Emilio Estevez, Kemsen, Martin Larby, Gregorio Franco, and Blake Peterson. You people are all very, very awesome. So how about this? Let's listen to another track, and then we will go chat with Time Cop 1983, and we have a little fun uh, catch-up there. So, here is a cool song from LVX, from the album Rise of a New Empire. This track is called Post Human. (laughs) 
And that was Post Human by LVX from the album Rise of a New Empire. And that was brought to you by my uh, really cool Patreon supporters. Well, there's Rachel Buchelman, Murat, Jimpy, we mentioned him earlier, Hampus ML, Kenjaru, Chatterack, Mads Baron Christensen, Prophet of Jupiter, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Salia Lane. Uh, let's go chat with Time Cop 1983. I should let you all know that my daughter uh, <laughs> was <laughs> she was home that day. She uh, I think she stayed home that day from daycare, and we had this thing scheduled. So if you hear in the background a toddler. Uh, running about. That is my daughter. And uh, I think she pops in on the mic a few times. In fact, I'll let her explain uh, what happened. So, were you running around when Daddy was doing his interview? Hello. Yeah, but... Yeah, hello, but were you running around when Daddy was doing his interview? Yeah. Yeah? So, how about this? Say, now, let's go to my interview with Time Cop 1983. (laughs) <laughs> okay, ready? Say time cop. Time cop. Nineteen. Cop. No, say time cop. Time cop. Nineteen eighty-three. Nineteen <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, I am here for the the lovely return. Of Time Cop 1983, Mr. Jordi Lenartz. What's up, Andy? I'm all right, man. How are you, man? I'm good. How you been? Good, thanks. Just moved into my new house, and uh, it's been great so far, man. It's been quite a lot of work lately over the last couple of months, but uh, we finally moved in, and we're all set. Everything's cool. Perfect. Yeah, so last time you were on the show was like two years ago, I'm going to yeah, say. Something like that, yeah, yeah. So last time I talked to you, weren't you like you were in an attic studio that had a washing machine in it, if I remember correctly? Yep. <laughs> you remember correctly, that's it. <laughs> that was that uh, brought me a lot of great beats, but um, <laughs> so what's the deal? So you moved recently, right? Yeah, a few weeks ago or something, and uh, we have been renovating this house for uh, over eight months or uh, something like that. Yeah, it's been crazy. We moved out of the the previous house with the studio in the attic. Now we're here. Now I'm kind of in like a temporary studio. I'm uh, going to build a new studio in the garden, but um, we'll see how uh, how that works out. I'm assuming the studio in the garden is going to be uh, like a structure of some kind and not like just keyboards in the garden. I wish, but uh, the Dutch weather doesn't allow me to. And, um, <laughs> fortunately, it will not have a washing machine in it. So, <laughs> Well, if you don't have a roof, you can be in nature's washing machine. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Which is what I call the rain. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So, man, obviously in the last two years, a lot of stuff has happened. And, of course, you are going to be um, at Outland in Toronto in July. And so I'm going to release this episode before then so people can get a little Time Cop update. Yeah. Hold on. My daughter's just walked in. What are you doing in here? (laughs) I put on Paddington for you to watch. Have you ever seen Paddington? No. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'd love to, but... That's a bit of a tearjerker, man. Part two. Oh, shit. 
it. There's like a moment where like you think Paddington's gonna die, and it's like really sad. Oh wow! I love. I love when these kids' movies go like these dark, like Toy Story 3. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of Toy Story 3 and all the toys are about to go into the fucking fire. Yep, they're all... And then they think they're going to die and then they just start holding each other's hands because they've just accepted that they're all going to die and like it's a kids' movie. Like, I love that shit. Oh, that's really dark, man. Yeah, man, it's super dark. <laughs> I haven't seen that one either, but like Paddington, I haven't seen it. Maybe I should then. Yeah, no, like the end of Toy Story 3, they end up in the, uh, the junkyard and it's like there's a machine that like crunches up all the metal and turns it into scrap and there's this big hole where the fire is that's incinerating everything and then all the toys end up in that and then they're trying to escape and then at one point they realize they can't and so they all just hold each other's hands as they go into the fire that's some deep shit oh yeah man it's amazing like that scene is amazing and then but they do get rescued yeah yeah. but it's like it's just i remember watching in the theater going like did fucking like woody and buzz just accept their death like is that the scene i just watched like it's (laughs) (laughs) it is like that actually is what happens like it's crazy anyway there's a scene in paddington too like that like he's about to drown and like he's like trapped in this thing and can't get out and it's like what the fuck is happening and he sort of gives the lady a look like he knows he's gonna die yeah and you're like it's fucking crazy anyways uh, look <laughs> listen but we're here to talk about <laughs> no no we're about it. <laughs> Well, how about this? Let's get the ball rolling here. We'll listen to some music. Sure. We're going to get caught up here on, on Time Cop. We're going to do it for real. Talk about uh, what you got planned for Outland and shit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so how about this? Let's listen to a track. So this came out a few months after you were on the show. Yeah. I think you talked about doing the Lovers EP Part 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think we did the show in April. So April, May, June, July. So it was like five or so months afterwards. And this was a track from this. Another uh, collab you did with Sea Waves or featuring Sea waves oh yeah and this is a track called girl featuring sea waves by time cup 1983 yeah You'll be 
And that was Girl, featuring Sea Waves by Time Cop in 1983, or how do you say it in Dutch again? Like 1983 and or something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> Almost 1983 <laughs> I finished part one. I still had a lot of ideas lying around and I thought about releasing a different EP or an album back then. And then I thought, why not work with the Sea Waves again and make it into Lovers Part 2? So uh, we did. And uh, Sea Waves did a great song. They uh, they wrote the lyrics, uh, uh, recorded the vocals for Girl. And uh, yeah, I loved it right away. And that's how... Uh, Lovers Part 2 came about. So it started with that one song? Yeah, well, I, I had a, a, a few ideas lying around anyways, and uh, I just selected a few and sent it to them to see if they want to record vocals on it, or, or one of those ideas or songs that I had. They finished Girl, and then I finished the other songs of the EP, and yeah, that's how it worked. Do you drink coffee? Well, just a little bit. Some cappuccino sometimes. Yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I just made myself some instant coffee because I bought some to mix with like chocolate milk to get like a bit more of a caffeine buzz. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this time I didn't put the chocolate milk in. I'm just drinking like instant coffee and it is horrible tasting. <laughs> I can only imagine. It's so strong, isn't it? Yeah, I'm drink. it tastes like I'm drinking like tomato soup or something. Like it's just awful. I just, I just, sorry, I just took a sip <laughs> of it and like... <laughs> That's... That's a weird thing to experience <laughs> when you expect coffee. It's just tomato <laughs> soup. Well, it's like, it's really bitter, but has this weird, like, tomato-y... Anyways, whatever. Right. <laughs> you mentioned something about, uh, last time you were on, about a video game you were working on or something called, like, Crossing Souls. Oh, yeah. Did that ever come out? Yeah, it came out a year and a half ago or something. Okay. Uh, it was released on PlayStation 4 and on PC. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool game. It's like an RPG where you uh, just walk around with a top-down view and it's really cartoon style. And uh, uh, and I played the, the beta version or alpha version when they were uh, creating it to get a feel for the for the soundtrack. But it's a, it's a pretty cool game, yeah. Before we started uh, recording this one, I went back and listened to our first one because often I never follow up on things like when I have people back on the show. And so I, I wanted to make sure I'm like oh yeah whatever happened in that fucking game because we talked about it and uh, yeah so of course it came out that's good yeah it did do you have a deal with outland there's a lot of those outland shows like wherever they pop up and like you and calic seem to sort of show up during those shows so like is there like an actual deal that you're like sort of connected to it no there's no deal at all it's just uh, i'm really good friends with uh, with Stu and brett the organizers of, uh, of outland well they just happen to ask me every time and I'm always available for them and I love to work with those guys. They're really cool guys and they asked me to come to Toronto as well. Of course, I said yes. Never been to Canada before, so uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Well, it should be fun, dude. I want to try and grab you guys uh, when you show up yep. and uh, force you to play Goldeneye with me on Twitch. Oh, of course, dude. I'd love to. Never played it, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll be really, really bad. But <laughs> give it a try. Yeah, well, it'll be it'll be a fun experience because I think some people are. Sh- I think, from my understanding, anyways, and and speaking to Stuart. Uh, 
um, I think you guys will be there the day before. I think t- I think fucking FM Attack gets there on the day. Oh um, yeah, really? Is it? Yeah. So he's gonna have quite like I think he's like literally going to show up and probably go right to the venue. I imagine. Wow, shit, that's crazy. But uh, but anyway, it should be a good time. Yep, for sure, for sure. I'm very lo- much looking forward to it. I think I saw there. There's some people who are trying to get a like a, a pre-party going. Yeah, I saw it. Well, Facebook, I saw an event. Yeah, in the uh, in the afternoon. Although I met, I don't know I feel like I'm going to be busy fucking setting shit up because I'm going to hopefully have like a little booth in there. Oh yeah, cool. To record you guys, actually. I, I guess I never really like okayed it with everybody, but uh, we're going to do a video interview when you're here. By the way. Oh, oh shit! I look should look my best then. I'm, yeah, that's right. Should lose some weight and everything, and then hit the gym. <laughs> you got some time. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I talked to Dana yeah, all right. uh, as well. I had I had all the girls on who are going to be performing, and so I was talking to her because I think she went out and did one of the shows where and did one of the songs that you guys collabed on, right? Yeah. Well, you mean me and her? Yes. Yeah, we did. Uh, she was in Europe uh, last month. She toured around Europe, and uh, we met in uh, in Germany in Darmstadt. And uh, we did Dreams and Don't Let Go together, and it was just amazing to see her again. She's just such a good artist. Her voice is so good, and she's a really great person. So, uh, yeah, it was great to see her again. We met uh, before in Stockholm as well, in Sweden. And uh, we also performed those two songs. And I'll see her again in Toronto, and who knows what's going to happen. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's cool, dude. So when Dana goes out there, right, and when she sang, did those songs with you, like how much time did you get to prep? Because often, you know, when there's these collabs that happen with the different people, I mean, you're not really like sitting there. I'm assuming you don't really get much time to rehearse. It was literally just the sound check and that's it. I arrived pretty late because I I drove from home to Germany, which took me like three and a half hours or something. So I arrived pretty late and there wasn't much time before doors opened. So we had literally five minutes to check the song. And but I mean, she's great. So I I was pretty sure she was going to do it very good. Uh, So and she did. But it, it can get kind of stressy, yeah. That you arrive, have to do your sound check, and of course you want to rehearse as well. And there's not always time to do stuff. Just hope for the best. Yeah, that would stress me the hell out. I mean, the nice, the nice thing is, like Dana is, uh, she is a pro, man. Like, because yeah, I've seen a, uh, a little while ago, there was uh, Mecca Mako did a show at a bar. Oh, yeah. She's got a song that her and, and Dana collab on, and I don't even think they planned it, oh, yeah. but Dana showed up just for the night and just like. And then Haley played the song and then Dana just got on stage and just performed it. Like yep. she she does so much performing that she can actually just sort of do that. And so it's nice because yeah, yeah, I would be a lot more stressed out if I was doing what you're doing. But then also with a singer who hasn't had a lot of like stage time because then that would be really stressful. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. But it's just hope for the best. Uh, I mean, they recorded this song. So at least, you know, they can sing and then just hope for the best when they actually are going to sing it live. But uh, most of the time, it's it's really good. So yeah. Well, how about this, dude? Let's listen to another track. Awesome. So this was uh, another one from Lover's uh, EP Part 2. And this was a track called uh, Falling Apart. Hold on. What's what are you doing in here? Go watch Paddington. Paddington's all gone. What do you mean Paddington's all gone? <laughs> Liar. <laughs> well, he was about to die, so she... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she felt alone, man. <laughs> no, she's watching Paddington 1. I don't think... Uh, uh-huh. I don't think... I don't Paddington's think that... all gone. Yeah? <laughs> here, come here. Okay, ready? 
I want you to say that we're going to listen to we're going to listen to Falling Apart. Apart. Falling Apart. <laughs> Falling Apart. Featuring by an ion. By an <laughs> Not even close. Best intro ever. <laughs> All right, this is Falling Apart featuring by an ion by Time Cop 1983.
And that was Falling Apart, featuring By an Ion by Time Cop 1983. And I'm here with Time Cop 1983 right Amen. now, Mr. Jordi Lenartz. Yeah, indeed. My daughter is joining me in studio for some reason. Hi. Say hello, Jordi. Hello, Jordi. Hi. <laughs> Say goodbye. Goodbye. All right. I get goodbye. Up. All right. <laughs> Sorry, today's <laughs> it's supposed to be a daycare, but anyway. Um, so who is uh, who is by an ion? Because I don't think I've heard them before. Well, by an ion, it's uh, uh, Alex and Ray, two guys from LA. They're really cool guys, and Alex is part of the new division as well. Oh right, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he's a really, really great artist, and uh, Ray was a friend of his. He uh, started a band with uh, uh, with him together, and uh, well, they did a great job on falling apart. So that's great. I get so confused now, like with the you know, I have the Beyond Synth database on the Beyond Synth website that has like over like 750 artists who you know I've played on the show. 750. Yeah, like there's a lot of entries in there. And now there's all these ones where, like, members of one band are joining with another guy and then, like, starting another band. And I cannot keep track of any. And then, of course, like, their Facebook name is different from their Twitter handle, which is different from their band name, which is different from their Instagram. And That's confusing. Oh, yeah, man. Well, even me, I can't keep up with everything. And I'm not even trying anymore. Because before, I, I wanted to, to listen to everything and wanted to see everything that was new. But uh, I just given up on that because there's so many people making music and yeah you know it's it, it's crazy i started like a secondary podcast with marco yeah. and uh neon fox a dj in toronto because they're sort of more in tune with just listening to new stuff Yep. because i really do like to listen to the music like i really want to listen and know that i like the whole song yeah 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 and that's really hard to do when there's just like so many artists like putting out so much stuff like yeah, uh definitely definitely and then I don't even want to think about all the submissions like new retrowave gets. I once heard he gets like a hundred submissions a day or something like that. And it's it's <laughs> totally crazy. It's very, very cool that Synthwave is getting bigger and bigger. But I mean, if you're a platform that uh, wants to show people new music, then it can be kind of hard to go through all the submissions, to go through all the new music and come up. Uh, yeah. I'd like to talk with him sometime because I, I wonder, because I, I mean, I don't, I, I know I don't get as much stuff as he must get, but I I imagine a lot of the stuff that new retrowave gets sent is probably all like sounds the same. Like I get a lot of stuff sent to me that's like weird. Is it? <laughs> you know, like yeah, people will send me weird stuff. Maybe it's because of you. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it is. Like it has to be. <laughs> no man, of course. Not. And and some of it is fucking bizarre. Like I got this one dude who <laughs> just sent me noise, Whoa. and it was like just all these tracks that were just noise, and then the message he sent me was. It still makes me laugh. I'll never play his music. But the message was Satan. And that was it. Like, no hello, goodbye, or here's my music. I just get this fucking email. That's it. But does he talk or does he sing or anything? No. Well, I had a guy doing that as well. His name was Satan as well. And he sent me this music. It was really dark and he was talking about murders and, and suicide and shit. Well, no, this guy's this guy's um, artist name isn't Satan. He just wrote the message Satan. 
So I get this All email right. and it just says Satan and then there's just a link to like the YouTube. All right. Interesting. <laughs> I look, it made me laugh my head off, but it was like it wasn't music. It was like just the sounds of like fucking grinding engines and shit. I don't know who like listens to like a synthwave show and then their response is like, "Hey, maybe you like the music that sounds like someone just rubbing sandpaper for like 5 <laughs> minutes." Like, "All right, I guess." Oh well, yeah, everybody their own. I mean, everybody has their taste. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Like, how many Outlands have you performed at now? Like, must be quite a few. I think it was three in total. Two in London and one in Glasgow. So this is my fourth. Okay. Daddy, look. Daddy, look. One cookie? <laughs> what, a cookie? Yeah. Okay. Yes, thank you. Mm, very good. <laughs> I want some, too. <laughs> No, but I uh, played in London, Glasgow, and now Toronto. Oh, for some reason I thought it was more than that. How many other like live performances have you been doing? Quite a few. In London alone, I already did three or four. And then here in the Netherlands, in France, in the US, I did a tour last year. Uh, in Russia, I played quite a few places. Cool man. Uh, I'm going to do my own tour together with uh, uh, Arcade High and Corinne. Corinne, I toured with uh, uh, with them last year as well, so they're uh, joining me again, and now we're having uh, Arcade High as well. And it's uh, right after the show in uh, Toronto, I'll be leaving to Seattle, and then I'm going to start my US tour. So that's uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, that's awesome, man. How many how many uh, dates are you playing? Uh, we're playing ten shows. We're starting in Seattle, all the way down to, to Orlando. We're going to drive from Seattle to Orlando. From Orlando, we're going to fly to Brooklyn, and then to Philadelphia, and then I head back home. Quite a trip, yeah. but it's, uh, it's going to be amazing, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that sounds awesome, man. Yeah, I'm trying to think if, if Arcade High have done... This will be their first... I think it is, the first tour, yeah. Of course, they did a lot of shows, but uh, I think this is going to be their first proper tour. So that's it's really cool. I met the guys uh, at uh, Human Music Festival festival last year and they're really cool guys so i'm very much looking forward to it and of course uh corinne trey and morgie uh, i know them from last year and they're really really nice guys too yeah it's it's going to be cool yeah now that sounds awesome well how about this well let's listen to another song oh let's do it i'm gonna take a sip of this fucking tomato soup drink <laughs> and let me hear some noise this is so bad <laughs> okay so how about this here let's listen let's move move ahead here to the night drive album yeah and uh listen to this track uh uh, this one's called Static, featuring The Midnight by Time Cop 1983.
And that was Static, featuring The Midnight by Time Cop 1983. And I'm here with Time Cop 1983 right now. Hi. Mr. Yordi Lenartz. So for that track, I mean, I was obviously featuring the the vocals of Tyler, but did Tim do any like production on it, or was it just the vocals? Well, um, uh, I, I made the, the basic structure of the song, but he uh, added some uh, elements, some synth elements to it, like the pan flute kind of thingy in the end. Uh, he added it, and um, he, he did quite a bit of work on it. Yeah, and uh, Tyler, of course, did the vocals. Because I know uh, you were one of the very few, or the only other synth collab on a Midnight album album so far well, yeah well they work with uh nikki flores nikki well. flores yeah but i mean as far as um producers go right because on th- there aren't too many tracks that the midnight do where it's like featuring or or uh, you know oh, with, true, a, yeah. with another artist and i think you're like the only one so i was this like a tit for tat kind of thing i, I never realized that any by the way so uh, it just made me aware of that so that's pretty cool but um we started working on uh a river of darkness first when we when we got in touch and um, yeah, it's what kind of, uh, like you say, like a, a quid pro quo. Uh, I make something for them and they make something for me or th- they do something with me and I do with them. So, uh, yeah, it was. Are you still cycling? Ah, no, man. Unfortunately, not. not. I should. I should. <laughs> but it's it's been a long time, unfortunately. Yeah, that was another issue to, to I, I'm listening back to the show and I think I was <laughs> making all these comments on how you'd have strong legs. That's like, <laughs> I love <laughs> <laughs> when I listen back to my show and realize just how stupid it is. It was, it was interesting. It was cool. The other, uh, like literally my notes. What do what, what I have here? I've got um, Hundenlil. Uh, that's what <laughs> <laughs> we should teach you a new Dutch swear word now. Yeah, that would be awesome. Actually, I could I could use a lesson. So yeah, so last time we learned we learned uh, Hondenlil, yeah, and uh, and Kutsak, Kutsak, yeah, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, those are the only ones I remembered. Yeah, yeah. Just for the audience, so these are these are swear words in another language in Dutch, and this is all very important stuff. It is. <laughs> Especially if you ever ever visit uh, Amsterdam or something like that, then at least you need to know those words. Yeah. So what's what's another thing I can learn? A, a quick one. Uh, Eichel. Eichel? No, Eichel. With an L at the end. Eichel. Eichel, yeah. What does that mean? Uh, well, it, it means uh, uh, acorn, literally. The fruit from an oak tree. The acorn. But um, uh, it, it means jerk off. Acorn? Yeah, well, that's the the, the literal uh, translation in English, acorn. So, eikel <laughs> is acorn, but it is supposed to be, or it's a synonym for a jerk-off. Wait a second. Do you mean like like if someone is a jerk-off, or do you mean the literal action of jerking off? <laughs> no, no, if someone is a jerk-off. What? Wait a second. <laughs> so, but what if you're talking about acorns? Well, we say eikel as well. <laughs> That's pretty weird, isn't it? When somebody is a jerk-off, we say Eichel, but we're talking about acorns, then we say Eichel as well. So it has more meanings. That's funny. Because oftentimes, like, when you when you have a word that also means, like, someone's an asshole, so if I call someone, like, a dickhead yeah. or whatever, like, I mean, 
it's got the word dick in it. Like it already has like there's like some connotation, but like I don't. I'm yeah. trying to think if we have any of in English like to call someone a thing that's like that's real. I, I've been trying to find like synonyms just because sometimes it gets boring to like always call people like the same things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I like I like calling people food words. You know, like <laughs> that guy's a fucking meatball. You know, like things like oh, that. <laughs> fucking meatball. Yeah, like I think that's funny. Yeah. I think calling people donuts is funny. Like you fucking donut. <laughs> like just. Trying to find like silly food words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acorn. I wonder if that would work. Acorn. You were an acorn. <laughs> Dude's a fucking acorn. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny, by the way, now that I think of it, acorn, well, we say acorn, that's mm. the squirrel. So the, the chipmunk is an acorn in Dutch, but acorn, what the squirrel eats, is eikel in Dutch. So that's pretty funny. Wait a second. Do you have squirrels over there? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And the Dutch word for squirrel is acorn. <laughs> <laughs> to make things more confusing. I love these important lessons. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> When people come and visit Canada, they one of their observations to me is always the color of the squirrels we have. What color is it? Well, because we have black squirrels and gray squirrels. Oh, and, oh. uh Oh, I'm trying to remember which one is the one that's weird and unique to people. Maybe it's the black ones. I think the black because we only have brownish, grayish squirrels here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, so we have we have black squirrels. The majority of them are black. All right, cool. Yeah, I've had a few uh, Europeans specifically when they see the squirrels, just like, oh, weird, like black squirrels. I'm like, yeah, yeah, aren't they all black? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, because I think here actually most of them are black because the other things are chipmunks. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, what's the difference between squirrels and chipmunks? That is an Excellent question. Yeah. The tail is different. What is it? I'm going to type in here the difference between squirrels, squirrel, and chipmunk. All right. So that's the top thing on Google. The, yeah, the tail's a lot different. But did they both live in the trees? Yeah. Size, chipmunks range from 6 to 12 inches. Tree squirrels are 12 to 20. Okay, so so squirrels are bigger. Ah, oh, they are. Okay, cool. And the, and the tail is different. Like, the squirrels have sort of like a big, almost like a bushier-looking tail that sort of yeah, like yeah. curls up, and squirrels have little tiny tails. All right. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I love Never too old to learn, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the chipmunks sing really annoying, so that's how you can tell them apart from squirrels as well. Yeah, and we have a lot here. What is it what, like? What is the animal over there that's sort of like the pest animal? Like, do you guys have like raccoons or things like that? The, a, a pest animal? The kind of animal that like you know lives in your walls or steals your food if the windows open? Oh well, just mouses. And rats as well. And, well, the the real pest animals in Amsterdam are pigeons. Yeah. They're, they're flying rats. They're crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over here, we have, like, raccoons. Yeah, yeah. And, and raccoons have full-on, like, little human hands. And you can see them the way they pick things up and the way they're holding it. And they can be super vicious. And the ones in the city yeah. are huge. Really? I mean, like, huge. Like, they're big. They're bi like they're bigger than cats or whatever. Like, they, some of them get really fat because in the city, yeah. there's so much garbage for them to eat. Yeah, of course, yeah. Whereas, like, well, I grew up in a small town, and we also have raccoons, but they're a lot smaller. Uh, yeah, but in the city, dude, like, they get big, and they make crazy sounds. And when they fight each other yeah. at nighttime, yeah. you'll hear your garbage can get tipped over, and then you'll just hear this, like, like the sound like they because they, they fight each other yeah yeah 
and it's fucking it's insane, man. And they and they because they have those human hands, and so they can like open up latches and like take lids off of things and all this, and yeah. it's just fucking crazy. Well, that's what I always see in the movies. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. I've I've seen them in Florida uh, a couple of years ago when I was there on holiday, but they they were really small. But I can only imagine if they can get so big, what they can do, and that's weird. That's- yeah, no, they're scary too because you always have to be worried that they have rabies. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So. <laughs> It's nice to talk to you again. Yep, it is. <laughs> well, how about this? Let's listen to another track. Yes. Uh, this is from the Night Drive album again. Uh, lots of great tracks on this one. I, I mean, it's pretty Thank much, you. I think every single one is good. So I was uh, when I was listening back to it, I was trying to figure out which ones to play. And I'm like, oh, these are all good. So Thanks, man. Thanks. We're going to play this one. This is uh, Back to You featuring the Bad Dreamers by Time Cup 1983. Searching for the parts of me 
And that was Back to You by Time Cop 1983 featuring the Bad Dreamers. And that uh, that's a good one. Thank you, man. Thank you. That seems to be like sort of the fan favorite uh, if you go and like read the reviews and stuff. Yep. Yeah, I, I tend to do this every once in a while to ask people what their favorite song of mine is. And uh, it's always kind of scary to, to, to see people's reaction. But uh, Back to You is being called very, very often. And I, I really love it, too. It's one of my favorites as well. Of course, uh, all the songs I've worked with with other people are great, too. But this one has a special place in my heart. The Bad Dream is really, really good. He, he played with uh, uh, FM84 at their uh, uh, live shows as well. And uh, I met him there uh, last year in, or was it in Brooklyn? And it was nice. He's a really, really relaxed dude and a really good guy. And he's a great singer for sure. Like what's different about your prep when, you, when you're when you starting to do the, the North American tour stuff that is maybe different from when you're playing near your home base? Well, it's not that much different, but uh, right now I'm trying to do something new. I'm uh, uh, thinking about bringing lights with me. So uh, it, it's going to be something special and uh, do uh, the visuals with it as well. And then with my lights, which I programmed before. So that's going to be kind of cool if I can get everything to work in time most of my collaborators they're from uh, the u.s so um i'm trying to work out them singing on the songs live with me uh, when i'm in their city or when i'm near them so that's uh, a little different as well like when it comes to those lighting setups are those things you got to bring with you or do you have it programmed where you can then rent that equipment when you're in the city like how does that work no yes it's just a pretty simple light bar like an led bar which is controlled by dmx so i just program them with the backing track that I'm playing uh, from Ableton Live and I just program the lights myself with automation with MIDI clips and everything then it just moves the lights it's, it's nothing really fancy but that's it, it kind of like a cool element to my show I guess but uh, yeah it's, it's pretty nice. How does that work like actually programming lights? Because Obviously I know a lot of people who have done it but I've never really asked them so like yeah. you have your DAW open Ableton Live? Yeah so you're using Ableton Live and then you have like different light bars like how do how do they show up in your actual interface in order to program them like that's what i'm sort of curious about yeah i bought this device which uh, which is a, a midi to dmx uh, converter so we just plug it in with a, a usb cable which was a, a tip from Dana Jean Phoenix, which I'm really, really grateful to her about it. And she wanted to tell me about it. It's a, a, a converter that converts MIDI notes into DMX. So uh, it's, it's just a, a plugin that I use into, uh, into Ableton Live, in which I can control all the lights and all the segments in the lights. They all have their own sliders. And then I need to automate the sliders uh, so I have to draw them in by hand and everything. So it's, it's kind of a tedious work. Like if you have like a light bar, for example, yeah, or like the thing you have, does the program acknowledge like what brand or what light you have plugged in? Well, it should be. Uh, there's a lot of presets for a, a lot of different lighting types and, uh, and stuff and different rigs. But uh, in, in my case, uh, my light bars or my LED bars weren't in there. So uh, I had to find a way to program them. But uh, it, it was pretty easy. I just said, okay, this is because the, the light is divided into layers. And then I just had to say, okay, layer one is the color red. 
that is this slider. This slider is the color blue for this segment, and it just it has only 12 segments, so it's not that hard. Just three colors, so it was it was pretty easy to do. When you're programming lights, is it is it always sort of based on the tempo and the beat, or do you also yep. have things that's like when I'm you know when when an arpeggiator happens it does like this thing or whatever like yeah well i'm trying to combine it a little bit i'm not trying to overdo it it's just going to be complementary to my normal lighting show or whatever the light jockey is doing or the light control guy is doing in from the venue Mm -hmm. i don't have my own lighting people with me so it's kind of like complementing that light show yeah it's just uh, a simple addition to my show so it must be i'm just trying to picture like the tediousness of the actual programming itself is there a point where you lay the groundwork so then you can sort of like copy and paste different like automations like once you figure them out or do you literally have to craft every song like every thing by hand no you can though but i don't do it for me it's just really simple uh, when i have uh, uh, created an automation or a part of the automation i can copy and paste it mm. so um it is not every element of the light that i'm doing by hand luckily because that would take me so so much time <laughs> but uh with copying and pasting it it saves just a lot of time for me and it doesn't have to be that spectacular and it's just two colors that i'm using it's only red and blue and if i combine them together it'll be pink if i would do more colors and movement and everything then it would be different because uh, uh, with moving hats there's a lot of sliders that you have to control extra but uh, for me it's just a static light it's just turning some segments of lights on and off so it's, it's pretty easy. And I guess like when you have like a really simple setup like that, it must really make you appreciate those crazy ass light shows. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about uh, like the, the midnight. They uh, bought their own uh, lighting rig for their show for their tour here in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they're using it in the US as well. And that's just totally crazy. But then you'll need a, a lighting guy that controls all the light. You can do it yourself to program it before because it's just so, so much work. And whenever I do this, I appreciate all the the lights yeah. <laughs> that during my show for sure, man. Well, yeah, the Midnight's was good actually. Like their 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 lighting setup was nice and powerful. Like what I loved yeah. is when they had the that pink light that was like super powerful and then this yeah. red light and then there were times where their um their performance looked like live synthwave art like you know when you like you're on instagram and you look at yeah. synthwave art and it's always the fucking pink light from one direction and the blue light from the other yep that's it but then in real life you know it's never as that powerful but then like you know at their show when they had like the super powerful lights there was times where yeah. like it just was it was totally looked like synthwave art and i thought that was really cool yeah definitely i love their light show i saw them here in the netherlands and it's just great what they do but uh unfortunately that's kind of out of reach for me but. oh yeah yeah no <laughs> no i i get it i mean that's the conversation i have a lot with people you know when they're doing these uh these things obviously i mean like yep. you've been doing this music for a while and you've got like a following and yeah, yeah. every new element you want to bring it'd be so cool to do but then you just got to think of like the actual finances of it yeah but and i mean even traveling with it, it for me is now is just four simple LED bars that are like uh, uh, 50 centimeters. Even that, I, I have to use an extra suitcase for it or have to book an extra suitcase uh, when I'm booking a flight. It's just crazy. It's whatever element you add to it or I bring a synth with me and uh, I have to carry it all myself. You know, I don't have a crew with me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I have to think about uh, what I'm packing or what I want to add to my show. And that can be kind of hard if you don't have a crew with you. 
that's for sure yeah. <laughs> and with the midnight it's much different they have like 10 people working for them so they're a full-on band uh, unfortunately that's not the case for me i wish it was though but yeah 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 <laughs> but i mean i guess the nice thing then of doing like the actual festival type shows yeah is uh, obviously they already have equipment and stuff that they do that you guys can sort of like plug into yeah definitely and now with the uh, outland they're doing something really special too a guy from x laser they're going to do uh, a laser show at outland too which is going to be epic well more things to look forward to but how about this yeah. let's listen to another song well let's do it yeah man so this is uh this is one that i dug uh from the night drive album this is nightfall by time cop 1983 
And that was Nightfall by Time Cop 1983. And I'm here with Time Cop right now, Yordi. Hey, man. So we're having a lovely catch up here. We learned about squirrels. Yep. Eichels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about this because I'm sort of a control freak and so I find it hard to delegate other people yep. even if they're helping me. It's it's sort of a weird thing where I ha- I have ambitions to do big and complicated projects, but I don't like ceding any sort of creative control to other people. I know what you mean. Y- you know what I mean? And so that yep. that's where I sort of sympathize with, you know, when you're when you go on the road and you you know you've got to carry all this shit around yourself, yep. but then it's all you. Yeah. When I film episodes of the real Beyond Synth, like the YouTube show, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 running like three cameras, two, you know, like wireless mics yeah. at the same time as while you're interviewing, yeah. Yeah. And I'm doing it all like there's no there's nobody else yep. in the set. And that's why, like, sometimes, uh, you know, I'll watch the episodes after and, like, one camera, like, sort of goes out of focus or something. <laughs> really, yeah. And it drives me nuts. But at the same time, it's like, ah, but I don't I don't like asking people for help necessarily. Yeah, yeah. So it's always that tricky balance of, you know, when you bring other people in, it's cool to get help. But then then sometimes I feel like you lose a bit of your creative control. I don't know. It's it's Maybe I'm just a bit of a control freak. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I have the same, by the way. But we shouldn't. I mean, there's lots of professionals that we can ask us to help and they're always willing to help. So we shouldn't be so careful in delegating things. But I really know what you mean. So it's really hard to do. I especially feel that way when I watch like sort of big budget movies, you know, where you just go like a director gets to put their name on this. But you know that like thousands of people, especially like if it's a big budget movie, you know, like at the end of like a superhero film and there's a name of like all the people who did like animation you know like computer graphics for the film and the director isn't even there when they're making it yeah and and there's like fucking like 400 names and like some director just like walked in and just was like yep gave their approval for the designs and then left and then somebody worked like thousands of hours to and he gets all the credit yeah and it's I don't know I always feel weird about it but again I guess that's the way certain projects like have to be but I've always just felt like if I say something is mine like if I say like Andy produced this yeah i want to know that i did most of the work yeah of course you know what i mean because i I feel weird then otherwise yeah 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 i know what you mean i I have exactly the same and i mean even with professionals that are much better than me i mean with mastering of my music i do 90 percent of my mastering myself well partly because i exactly know what i want but I cannot explain how I want it to sound. Sure. So that's part of the deal. But it's also that I don't want to burden other people. Like if I hire a mastering engineer, I'm afraid to ask him for revisions. Then I know something can sound different or can sound better, but I don't want to harass him with my comments and I don't want him to feel bad, you know? And of course, as a client, you have to write for revisions Mm -hmm. but then I just think okay I'll do it myself no problem then it will sound less professional maybe but at least I can say this is exactly how I want it to sound or at least the best that I can make it sound so it's two things partly that is my creation and partly that yeah I'm I'm not afraid but uh, uh, cautious about asking people to do stuff. That's a good word you used is this burden. Yeah. Because that's the way I feel. It's like whenever something is mine, even though people have offered to help out. Yeah, yeah. I always feel like if I ask people to help with my thing, 
it's a burden to them, even though that there is people out there, yeah. like, and I believe this, like who, you know, they, they might not be the person who originates a creative idea, uh-huh. but they work really well at expanding on other people's or helping uh, people reach yeah. their thing. You know, if someone comes to me and says, here's the thing, do you want to work on it? I always feel like, ah, like I'm working on somebody else's thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not my thing. And so I, I attribute that mindset to everybody else. And so every time I ask for help, I always think, ah, oh, like, what's this person really getting out of it? Yeah. I mean, it would be different if I was rich. I think in your example. Yeah, of course. Oh, precisely the same. Yeah. Like if I was paying, right? So in your example of like, you know, if you actually pay somebody to like master a thing, then it's sort of different. But when there's no money and so like everything I do, like there's no money in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I can, if I pay people, then it's a job. Then it's justified. Yeah, yeah. If I go like, hey, man, I paid you to do computer effects for my show, then it's it's different. But when it's free and when it's a favor, then it's really hard for me to ask. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. With me, I'm at a point with my music and with my live shows that it's getting so busy. I mean, after a show, there's lots of people uh, that want to talk to me and to which I'm really, really grateful and which I love to do. But I don't always have time for it because I have to break down my stuff. I have to do the merch and things like that. And I do want to professionalize it and get a technician to break down my stuff and to to build everything up and get a person to do my merch but then again i also want to do everything myself for me personally like i still intend to do this robot show that i was working on but i was like literally building the costumes myself and learning along the way and so i make i'm making amateurish mistakes that i know that if i just fucking found some local person in the city who's done this 50 times and like their hobby is to build costumes yeah. If I just went to those people, they could fucking whip out something better than I could ever do, faster, more efficient. Yeah, but still, you made it. Yeah, but, so there is something fun about the learning, but then sometimes you just think, like, how much time is there to... I mean, there's a lot of things now I won't do just because I think about the time. Yep. You know what I mean? There's some video games that I just don't play because I'm like, this is just going to be a time. Like, do I have time to really invest in a new... learning a new game or doing this sort of stuff? And that, that's why I just end up playing Tetris 99 all the time time because because <laughs> yep. it's you know i know how to play tetris like that's <laughs> that's all i'm doing that's a thing too and but for yep. some reason the way i'm wired i can be pretty logical but then sometimes when it comes to art like making art my logic goes away and like i i will i will be making amateurish mistakes as i learn to do a thing just for the sake of doing it myself yeah well, yeah, it can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing, yeah. So for for your new stuff, tying this all together, I mean, like, what sort of stuff are you experimenting with now or, or trying with your music? Well, uh, uh, last time with uh, Night Drive, I, I kind of went to a little darker style of synthwave, but now I, I'm working on a new EP. It's a more romantic style again, but not like the usual, like the, the work I did on Journeys or on Reflections. But I, I'm always experimenting with my style a little bit all within the time cop 1983 style of course but uh yeah i, I like to like to experiment here and there and i did with uh, uh my delorean which i released last month as well i experimented with a more danceable kind of style and a different production style as well i always try to to learn yeah well how about this because we can probably wrap this up, but uh, why don't we listen to that song? Yeah. Because this is a fun one. So this is uh, My DeLorean featuring Primo by Time Cup 1983.
And that was Time Cop 1983 with the track My DeLorean featuring Primo. And that's a fun track. And I'm here right now with Time Cop 1983. Yeah. It was good to fucking catch up with you, man. Yep. Sir, likewise, likewise. It's always hard to say, how do? <laughs> you remembered. Cool. How do? <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in a couple of months, man, in real life. Finally meet you in real life. Yeah, it's it'll be very unexciting. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a very exciting guy to meet. Well, me neither, so that... 
<laughs> It'll just be us just like sitting at a table, just sort of looking at each other. Mm, hold the note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it should be fun. Um, yeah. So what uh, what do people have to look forward to if they go to Outland Toronto? I hope some new music of mine, which I'm uh, wrapping up right now. And uh, yeah, a, a great uh, uh, laser show uh, from X Laser. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe a, a song or two with Dana Team Phoenix. Uh, we'll see. Ooh, well, it's all very exciting. I guess yeah. the Outland event is probably a little bit different than the other shows in that. I, is there more opportunity to sort of like mingle with fans because like the thing just goes on for so long? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll probably be there the whole day because there's so many people I want to see. And uh, uh, of course, who I want to meet as well. So um, yeah, lots of time to mingle with the people, to chat to, to everybody. So it's uh, it's always cool like uh, as a real synthwave festival you meet with uh, a lot of people that I've been talking to for a long time online I finally meet them in real life it's just it's just unreal for me well look I know is there anything we need to talk about or is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention uh nah no we <laughs> talked about a lot and a lot of nothing so yeah. <laughs> Well, that's par for the course on this thing. We, yeah. we, we learned about squirrels. We uh, <laughs> about acorns, yeah. ankle. <laughs> we got a nice uh, catch up there. Well, look, it's good to talk to you, and uh, obviously Likewise. keep on making cool music. And uh, if you guys arrive early, uh, hopefully grab you to force you to play Goldeneye with me. That's <laughs> that's oh, my wow. plan. <laughs> pretty sure i'll be really really bad at it but i'd love to man for sure hey listen you know that's the joy of golden eyes you don't have to be good at it that's why that's why it's one of the best uh, party games of all time man because it's it's got this this very generous auto aim where the oh oh, okay then it's fine that's the thing because it's that that's the whole thing everyone always goes why does andy always talk about golden eye it's because it's fun it's fun for people to play who aren't necessarily great at uh, shooting games because the gun just sort of like moves towards people for you Ah, that's what I need. Yeah, <laughs> because I can't play games with the uh, with the controller. I'm used to playing games on the PC. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, with the controller, it's always very clunky and uh, move everywhere except yeah. for where I need to move. <laughs> so uh, I need that auto aim for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, dude, listen. It's uh, it's nice to talk to you, and I will uh, I'll see you in July. Yeah, I'll see you in July, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Cheers, dude. Cheers. All right, and that was my catch-up with Time Cop 1983. I hope you enjoyed it, and thanks for listening to the show. So, the bottom line, the next few weeks of Beyond Synth are going to be all over the place. Uh, Hopefully, we'll still be able to do a high five, but I'm pretty much going to be busy for the next two weeks. But the point is that the 200th episode is coming up, and I've recorded so much content for it that... It is not going to be just one episode. It's probably going to be a celebration of the past, probably in the second week of July. Uh, I'll start releasing these episodes, and they are all about uh, talking to people I talked to in the early years of the show and looking back on the synthwave scene and stuff like that. So although there will be an episode 200, the theme of episode 200 of talking to old guests and seeing where they are and seeing what's going on, that theme is going to run through two, three, four, maybe even five episodes, depending on how much stuff I record. And so it'll be kind of like a... A fun summer series of Beyond Synth, uh, looking back at the old days. And that is uh, all I have to say. So I hope, 
I see you guys at FM 84 tomorrow with Jesse Fry and Michael Oakley. And I hope I see you guys at Outland the following weekend. And don't worry, even while there is going to be not as much Beyond Synth podcast coming out, I'll make sure to make a lot of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter updates so you guys can feel like you're part of the action during uh, Outland and stuff like that. But uh, don't worry, it's just uh, temporary while these awesome shows are on and then Beyond Synth will resume as normal. So look, have a lovely week and uh, keep on listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Thanks for If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or visit beyondsynth.com and click on support the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by the awesome Patreon supporters. Don't forget to follow Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Live broadcasts can be heard weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash beyond underscore synth. Have a lovely week.